Is this just for the computer? If I set it here, will it still pick up okay? Is that okay? Check, check. Computer, can you hear me? Not, not too good? Okay, cool. Uh, it feels like in COVID, uh, when we were like recording church announcement videos, you know? <laughs> uh, what's the microphone for? Uh, it's for them. Um, Okay, hi. Uh, how's your day going so far? Good. Yeah? It's been a lot. You guys have got a lot of talking, uh, a lot of people talking to you. I hope that that has been beneficial to you. Uh, I thought it would be fun today um, to just kind of do uh, an exercise that I tend to do a lot with young leaders through our organization called Onward. Um, so more of a workshop, okay? And... Um, by the time we're done with this, you will have a personalized self-care plan, okay? So our goal right now is to come up with a personalized self-care plan. So what I'd love for you to do is at the top of your um, you know, notebook, pad, whatever you have. Sorry, I just noticed your Parker Clay. Uh, I have the big version of that thing. And no. But the, the bag it came with is like the perfect shoe bag for when you're traveling. Um, I have ADHD. Uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> we'll just have a sidebar. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to write at the top of your paper. I want you to write this. Self-care is not selfish. It is strategic. Self-care is not selfish. It is strategic. And so that's kind of how we're going to start our time together. Um, we're going to talk about what does it mean for us as leaders to take care of ourselves? What does it mean for us as leaders to take care of ourselves? Oftentimes, you, we, are the ones who are meant to be leading the way in uh, not only our personal health, but our spiritual health, so that we can be fit for service, right? Like, being fit for service is a value that I hope you have. It's a value that I certainly have. And it kind of works two ways. On one hand, being fit for service means that we pursue holiness in the way that 1 Peter 1.13 talks about. Uh, Therefore, as I am holy, so are you called to be holy. Um, it, is, uh, it, it means that we are going to try and arrange our lives in such a way that we're free from sin. And when we do sin, because it is inevitable, that we repent and confess and that we continue on. Kind of talked a little bit about that last night. Uh, the second way that we can be fit for service is to realize that the struggle is real and that there are going to be times that are unavoidable and inevitable where we are going to face different crises of various kinds. I, um, I grew up in a household that was not a Christian household. My home was marked by divorce and drug abuse at a very young age. Um, shortly after that, I was sexually abused by a family member for three years on the heels of my big brother dying. Um, from there, my family's uh, business went bankrupt, and we were forced to move communities and like pretty radically change our lifestyle as a result of that bankruptcy. And then I found myself in junior high. And so all of that pain and all of that hurt and all of that destruction and all of that trauma that I had experienced at a young age um, it, it went with me, and I lived a life that is reflective of someone who has a lot of hurt and pain in their life and has no, nothing to do with it, no, no one to turn to 
like really was just at the whim and at the beck and call of my emotions, which tend to come out in really obnoxious tendencies when I was that age. It was really, really outgoing, really exuberant, really charismatic, um, like just center of attention kind of person in my younger years. And um, I, uh, I had a, a uh, verbally uh, abusive stepmother um, on the heels of my parents' divorce, and my biological mother left. So my, my dad proposed to her, hey, we need to clean up our lifestyle, get clean, or leave, and she chose to leave. So from the age of 10 to 18, I saw my biological mother two times. Uh, once was around my 14th birthday. The other time was when I graduated from high school. She wanted to meet for dinner, and I opened up uh, the, thank you, the graduation card that she had given me. There was a $100 bill in it. Yeah, that's crazy. Like for her to give a hundred dollars is nuts. And she goes, "Hey, congrats! Like you did it. You graduated." She goes, "I was gonna see if you could break that hundred and just give me enough money for cigarettes." Um, and I remember sitting there like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Like, I haven't seen you in years, and you're already trying to take back from what you gave me. Like this is this is nuts to me. So much pain." I think that our culture, and rightfully so, talks a lot about the wounds that fathers can cause. Um, my story is the wounds that moms can cause. I, I have deep motherly wounds. The relationship with my stepmom ultimately ended up turning around for the good and like just a really beautiful redemption story there. She actually passed in July, um, the, just this last July. And um, so yet again, pain from a mother. The reason I share my life story with you uh, is one, so you're like, why is he that way? Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, no, the, the reason I share that with you is because um, mental health is, is the battle for me, right? So as you read through First and Second Corinthians, Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh that he begs that God would take away. We don't really know what it is. It's alluded to maybe possibly a couple things. Some do say it is mental health. Others say that it, it could have been some type of addiction or it could have been the the legalism from his former years that was rampant in him, but there's, there's really not an answer that I found that like makes sense. It's kind of like who's the author of Hebrews, um, probably Paul, but you know it's not explicitly said, so we don't know. But he talks about this thorn in his flesh and how this thorn in his flesh is something that he begs and pleads with God to take away. Um, for me, mental health has been that, and the mental health battles that I have gone through and continue to go through are something that really mark and define my ministry and my life, my parenting, uh, my, my um, uh, kind of approach to marriage and friendship. Like, it's something that is always there. If you're familiar with the show Dexter, like, that is my dark passenger, is this extreme depression. And I was, I was diagnosed in 2016 with severe depressive disorder and anxiety. So... Uh, and then, and then, of course, you get the little tiny white note with some drugs, and you're like, "That's it, huh? Like that'll do it." Um, a year later, I had a, a episode where I was convinced that the world would be better off without me, and I was contemplating suicide late one night in my closet. And my wife came in, notoriously deep sleeper. She came in and said, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "What are you doing? You're not supposed to be awake." And she goes, "Yeah, I just I couldn't sleep. And then why are you sitting in the closet? Like, what's going on here?" And I broke down. And I told her everything told her that the, the darkness had just kind of taken over. I'd convinced myself I was done in ministry. The anxiety was so bad, I was having panic attacks. Um, you know, a, a, a preacher who can't preach, like literally if you've ever had a panic attack, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. It feels like someone is strangling you. It feels like for, for 
those of you dudes who have an, has an Adam's apple, it feels like there's a vice grip on your Adam's apple, shaky, can't talk, can't get words out. And that's just never, that was never me. Like I always enjoyed, I always enjoyed that. And it was awful. I couldn't even do church announcements. And um, so a lot of my identity is wrapped up in what I did. And as that was taken away, I'm just convinced there's nothing else that I have to offer. And that night in my closet, my wife, she said three things to me. She said, I want you to think about these three things. One, I want you to think about the story that God is writing with your life and how it's not over yet. I want you to think about me and the kids and the family and how desperately we need you here. And the third thing is, I want you to think about how, like, this part of your story could be used to help people if you got help, right? And um, she kind of ended that saying, just think about the future that you could have. Think about the future. And so I did. And so I went and did uh, a pretty intense form of therapy for the next 18 months, um, included some medication, included EMDR, uh, twice a week sessions for a number of those months. Um, just before COVID, I got hooked up, um, kind of concluded my time with my, my counselor and therapist and, and got hooked up with a guy who was more of a counselor life coach type, which was really great as I was trying to figure out ministry, like to have someone who was acutely aware of the mental health journey I had been on, but also knew how to from like a, a leadership standpoint, apply that into the workplace, um, all with those words in my mind of think about the future. And truthfully, that's where the name for our nonprofit organization came from onward. Um, think about the future. Think about the fact that where you sit today as a leader who's leading youth, um, where you sit today is probably not where you're going to be sitting in 20 years. I don't mean in your job. If you had the same job for 20 years, Everyone would be, would be better for it. The relationships you could have, all that. I mean, where you sit today with the struggles you face, with the longings you have, with the desires that you hold, with the uh, sin issues that you're battling, like likely over time, these things will change and transform if you take serious the, the onus that God has put on you to pursue him and to pursue health and to pursue transformation. Um, so I share all of that to say out of that time of my life and out of that season of getting healthy, someone showed me this kind of exercise that I want to go through with you, and it has pretty radically transformed those moments where I feel a low low or those moments where I feel just completely depleted and exhausted from whatever God has put in front of me for that day or week or season of ministry. This activity has been one that's really helpful. So uh, we're going to start in scripture, and we're going to look at a character and an object from one of my favorite miracles of Jesus. A character and an object from one of my favorite, favorite miracles of Jesus. It's in John 2, okay? John chapter 2, the wedding feast at Cana. And it goes like this. Wedding feast at Cana. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, right? Who's familiar with this passage? Give me the history that you've taught in your sermons. Break it down for me. What is a Jewish wedding? A party, right? Yeah. Uh, what, is the, what is the significance of running out of wine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to be fully out of wine early on, party foul. What else? What other observations have you, over the years, picked up on this passage? Just the first couple verses. Contextualize a Jewish wedding for me. 
Jesus was invited to the wedding. That's cool, right? Uh, I remember my first interaction with a, dating a Christian girl. I was not a Christian, so apparently she was a bad Christian. I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> but she, uh, we, da- we dated, and um, like her whole thing was like, don't dance, don't smoke, you know, don't go to parties. And I was like, I mean, I guess I could go without dancing, but the rest of that stuff is kind of a big part of my life, you know? And I remember that feeling like it was my first impression of like how boring Christians could be, you know? And she probably was, that was a boundary for her. By no means was she a boring person. That was probably just her way of, of pursuing holiness, you know? It was like, we're not going to, we're 14, why would we smoke? Uh, and, um, but I, I think a lot of times as Christians, we get this bad rap for not having fun. You work with students, you hear the talking points all the time, right? Well, I just, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus in that way. It's not fun. The, the, the thing that I've always loved about this miracle, having not been raised in a Christian family, is one, that Jesus is at the wedding, and that, that is not abnormal. But two, like the wine fell on his shoulders because of his mom. I spent a lot of years serving in a church that thought drinking was a sin. Maybe some of you do too. Um, and I, I just always loved when this passage would come up when our pastor would teach, because I was like, how's he going to teach this one? You know? And is it like it was just grape juice? Like, how is this one going to come out? So Jesus finds himself at a miracle, right? The lack of wine is on his shoulders. Jesus' mom says they have no more wine. Jesus then says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. You've, you've taught it. What does woman mean? He's just like, woman, you get the beer. Is that what Jesus is saying? Like, no, he's going, hey, it's a term of endearment. Like, mom, this isn't like you're kind of going to spoil the surprise here. <laughs> you know, like my hour has not yet come. You know, so he replies to her, it's not the time. N- Mary knows better. And so Mary said to the servants, this is the character I want to introduce us to, the servants. Okay, This is who we're going to highlight today. The servants, uh, Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. I think a lot of times the greatest work of God in our lives comes through our obedience. Like in your life, in your life as a leader, some of the greatest things that God is going to gift you and deposit into you is going to come through your obedience. I cannot state enough how important your obedience as a Christian leader is. It, it is at the top of, if not the most important thing for us to exercise as followers of Christ. Obedience to Jesus is important. Why? Well, because it's through obedience that we're transformed. Obedience is what transforms us. Our obedience to God is what gives us the discipline, is what changes our appetite, is what allows us to depend upon the spirit. Like you, you can look at big and small things. Tonight I'm going to teach on how to pursue the presence of God in our lives. And it's a discipline. Like spending time with God is a discipline. Discipleship. Uh, Barna put out a study in 2016 Um, where they pulled youth pastors and they said, what is the emphasis of your youth ministry? And 54% said discipleship and 46% said developing relationships. One could argue those are kind of the same thing. The point is relationships were at the core of what, well, that takes discipline, right? It takes discipline for you to work hours within your work week for you to spend time with students and volunteers alike. Why? Because making disciples is the creed and the call that we've all been uh, asked to be obedient to, okay? Obedience is very important. Um, 
I also think it's important for us to, to point out the, the servants here, because one, we don't know their names. They're just called servants. And then they're given a command to do whatever he tells you, right? Remember as a leader that you are not the exception. You are the example. Like there are tasks that God has delegated onto your shoulders for you to do, for you to accomplish. And those are not tasks that you then delegate onto other people. You as a leader are not the exception. You are meant to be the example. Notice I didn't use the word perfect in there. I'm not saying you are meant to be the perfect example. I'm just saying you are meant to be the example for your students and the people that you are leading. Sometimes we make great examples of how to do it right. Most of the time, we make great examples of how to say, I was wrong on that. I actually screwed that one up, and I want to just call that out. Do you know how, how like different things would be if we just owned the fact that we, too, make mistakes? Right in this world of hustle and bustle and, like, um, just just celebritized culture on social media. When's the last time your favorite social media influencer said, hey, I pushed that face serum. Turns out it causes cancer. I was wrong on that one, right? Never happened, probably because they'd get sued. But, like, we rarely see people of influence, like, owning their mistakes. So I'll, I'll just say it one more time. You as a leader are not the exception. You are meant to be the example. You're the one showing others how to do this, how to lead, okay? The servants are tasked with do whatever he tells you. The servants are told do whatever he tells you. So then goes on to say nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. So these jars um, are very large and made out of clay, right? 20 to 30 gallons, um, just that's like that's, that's going to be four to six orange Home Depot buckets, okay? Have you ever filled a bucket and carried it? How easy was that job? Yeah, yeah just pressing it out, no big deal. Yeah, you've seen Karate Kid, not easy, right? He's got it on the bamboo on his shoulders trying to walk up and down the hill. Not an easy task. But we see something miraculous happen in this. So it says, nearby stood six stone water jars. We read this, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. I told you I wanted to highlight a character, and I wanted to highlight an object. The character I want to highlight is the servants. The object I want to highlight is the jar. Because in this verse is where the miracle happens. This, this wasn't like an abracadabra moment. This wasn't like a, like a, a fishes and loaves moment even. Right? Like when we read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, happens a couple times, um, there is very much this miracle that the baskets just never emptied to the point that there were leftovers, right? This miracle is uniquely distinct from that miracle in the fact that Jesus didn't snap and the jars were then filled. Somebody had to do the act of filling the jars. And the person who filled the jars was a servant. I think sometimes we get to, as servants of Jesus, we get to facilitate some of God's most beautiful miracles of transformation in the lives of people we lead, and it comes through the mundane task of filling jars. It comes through the, I don't think there was a hose nor a faucet, right? Like, how did these jars get filled? Think with me. How did these jars get filled? 
had to be a well or, or a river or stream, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if someone rolled their eyes like, we got to fill them? Like, oh my gosh, dude. Like, that's a terrible job. But they did. He told them, now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Sometimes God is going to use you to facilitate incredible transformation in the lives of people, and they're not, gonna, they're not even going to understand what has taken place. But you will, because you're the servant that God has tasked with the mundane job of going back and forth and filling small vessels only to pour them into a larger vessel. Like That's how we get to see the work of God take place as leaders. It's not glamorous. It's not beautiful. A lot of times there is someone else's mom bossing us around, right? <laughs> like, like it's not always the most special thing. A lot of times it doesn't involve a microphone or an instrument. A lot of times it involves a planning center and Googling of games. A lot of times it involves uh, uh, reading and studying and, and trying to write books and asking yourself over and over and over and time and time again, is it immoral for me to use chat GPT to write these discussion questions for this sermon, right? Like this is the, the tension and the struggle that we all live in. Side note, I'm kind of on the hand of it's not, but you should review it and pray through what it spits out. Like just to kind of put where I'm at on that spectrum. Um, even for things like sermon notes, sometimes I'll use chat GPT the way I would Google. Hey, what's a sermon on this or that? I don't take it at face value. Uh, total rabbit trail here. What I will do is I will look at it and discern it and pray through the material that it gives me. It's just another tool, like a like a commentary, like a Google web search, like your favorite blog. It's a tool. It's, it's very accurate, yeah. Okay, so I told you I rabbit trail a lot. Um, so then he called to the bridegroom, uh, called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you save the best till now. What Jesus did there in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and they stayed for a few days. So the miracle happens through the servant's process of taking smaller buckets, either to a well or a river, taking many trips to fill the larger buckets. A lot we don't know. But what we do know is that the filling came through mundane tasks. What we do know is that the filling came through work. And that is a universal law of nature. Good things come to those who are disciplined. I'm not saying that through hard work and discipline we can, we can move the hand of God. I'm just saying if you want to live a healthier lifestyle, it's a proven fact that counting your calories and taking a 40-minute walk every day will be a positive benefit, and it happens through discipline. And so I go back to what I had you write at the beginning of our time together. Self-care is not selfish. It is strategic. In the same way that transformation took place in those large stone jars because somebody went through the mundane task of filling them, if you are someone who is serving at any capacity in Christian ministry and leadership, it is important for you to get acquainted with the mundane task of filling your life as well. It's really important that you know that there are things that we can do as humans that is very much like the act of a small cup of water filling the larger cup that makes up who we are. Now, um, I said Jesus aside and me blatantly reading into and adapting a text to say something it doesn't say, 
I think the analogy of being filled is what I really want to highlight here for us. And so I want you to draw a canteen on your paper. I want you to draw a vessel on your paper. And I want you to, um, I want you to write above that jar, I want you to write me, not me as in Corey, like me as in you, okay? And then what you're going to do is you're going to equally divide that water bottle into fourths. So you want four equal portions of that water bottle. And so to use the analogy of the stone jars getting filled so that they can be used for something miraculous and be used for something that was beautiful and delightful for the kingdom, I want you to now begin to contemplate with me what fills you up, okay? What fills you up? If you had to answer, um, maybe uh, once you're done with the drawing there, look up at me just so I know who, I, I don't want to move too fast through this. Um, if you were to gauge right now, like the, like the gas gauge of your life, where's that right now? And let's just go around, we'll just go around, I'll just, we'll just kind of fan through, like where are you at in terms of where your tank is at? How full is your cup right now? Does that question make sense? So we'll start right here. So just over half. Yeah? Uh, quarter? Quarter. Quarter. A little over half. Quarter. Sixty. Oh, we're, we have a theme here. Yeah. Forty. Okay, way to be unique and not be quarter or, or sixty. Okay. okay, I like it. <laughs> accurate. We're getting really accurate with gas gauges these days. You're full. Oh, I love to hear that. Cool. Fifteen. Gaslight's coming on. Okay. Ten percent. Fifty. Pretty close. Gaslight's on. I like that. 15. 15. 30, 40. Yeah. Okay. I like it. That's good. Never be ashamed for doing good, by the way. Totally good. We all just go, oh, I can't wait to get there. I also found it interesting that, um, you know, and this, this is just like an observation not meant to offend anybody, but for the most part, a lot of us younger leaders were on the lower end, and some of you uh, more seasoned leaders seem to be more full. There's wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom there. Whose responsibility, ultimately, is your, uh, is, is your self-care? Whose responsibility is it? Who's, who's responsible for how full your tank is? Whose is it? I feel like a football coach. Who's, who's, who's going to carry the boats? <laughs> who's responsible? Come on. 
got to say it with confidence. Who's, whose responsibility is having a full tank? What's the one you want to give? <laughs> yeah, what's the right answer? <laughs> yeah. No, the right answer is it's my responsibility. I think that probably is, I, I, I don't normally put this part in my notes, but let's just start there. I'm going to give you some tools that are going to help you fill your tank, um, but it's your responsibility. And so if you're going like, well, senior pastor never has time to mentor me. Well, so-and-so, like, you know, they, they got a new job. My, my, my mentor, my coach, my whoever that pours into me, they don't have time. It's still your responsibility. So you can't pass the buck on you being healthy and remaining healthy. That's on you, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the trial. It's on you to adapt. It's on you to be honest. It's on you to whatever the thing is that you would identify as a, as a hindrance to you leading from a place of fullness. All of this work that we're jumping into starts with you. It starts with you taking ownership of your leadership. You have to take the ownership of your leadership. It is no, one's, no one else's responsibility. It's yours. Now, Jesus commands us in Matthew 28 to go, therefore, and make disciples. We hear that, and we go, well, why aren't you discipling me then? Like, why, you older leader, why are you not pouring into me? That's absolutely true, and that is a totally fair expectation. The question now is, whose job is it to initiate? You have not because you ask not. And so if you're expecting someone to approach you and go, really see something in you. Can I disciple you? Depending on how you're wired, if someone said that to me and I didn't know them that well, I would go, no, thank you. Also, let's not do that. That feels weird to me, you know? Now, if someone came to me and said, hey, can you disciple me? I'm going to have a lot of follow-up questions, but that feels like a more appropriate approach to this. Unless it's a program, unless it's something going on in your church. Like, there are, there are variations to what I'm saying, but I'm just going... The thought that someone's just going to appear out of the clouds and go, I, I got you, I'm going to be your mentor. That's not really how that relationship works. That's not really how that power dynamic works, right? So it's your responsibility. So let's start at the bottom, the very bottom of the vessel that you drew for me. And we're going to label that one daily. Okay? Daily. So we're going to get more practical. What are daily activities that should cost you next to nothing in terms of time and nothing in terms of money. This is going to be the smallest, most incremental investment we make into ourselves. What are things that you can do daily to fill your tank? And because we're at a Christian leaders conference, let's take the spiritual disciplines, time in the word, prayer. We're going to presuppose those. Okay, those are there. Um, and if we want to talk about the importance of those, we totally can. Uh, just come to tonight's session. But, um, but that's there, right? Like, so you don't have to say my quiet time. I'm going to assume you have that. And if you don't, it's no wonder your gas light's on, okay? So we're going to assume. Is that fair? Is that clear? Okay, so in addition to that, unique to you and the way God made you, what are little things that you do daily that fill you up? I've got a couple just to help you understand the type of thinking I'm looking for. I love taking my fat little French bulldog for a short little walk around the neighborhood. I love sitting outside by my hummingbird feeders. When the weather's cold, I really like jumping into my pool and trying to stay in there for as long as I can. It just, it helps my joints. It's fun. I enjoy it. My boys sometimes join me and it's funny to watch them suffer. 
and, and, and have pain, especially because they're starting to get way more fit than I am or ever was. Uh, and so I enjoy that. Those are just little, little things that I do. If I'm feeling down or if I want to really like crush my day, I also have like a, it's about a two and a quarter, um, like half downhill, half uphill walk that I'll do. And I, it's my time to process, to pray, to maybe throw a podcast in, finish an audio book. Like these are the types of things that I'm talking about. What are they for you? Is that clear? Yeah, so feel free to write them if you have them. And if you have a question, feel free to ask it. But um, as you write, what are some of the things that you're writing down? Yeah, I can't understate enough the importance of exercise. Uh, yeah, love that. That's big, big time. Stretching, like a mobility. Yeah, it's great. Love that. I love that. Getting some Led Zeppelin in before the day starts. Okay, that works too. Okay. That works too. Yeah. Sauna. Sauna, love it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. What else? That podcast is so frustrating. I'm like, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> like, I worked up here. I have stories that we uh, we could sit here for two hours. I could tell you the craziest things I've ever seen at camp, and bears and all kinds of stuff. But oh, I love it. It's so good. It's so well done too. It's edgy enough, but not without trying. They're not trying to be. Yeah, love it. All right, we good. We feel clear daily. All right, weekly. Weekly is going to involve uh, a bit more time and a bit more money if you have it to invest into it, okay? Weekly for me, Thursday night's date night. Always has been, always will be. Sure, we miss sometimes. I'm not legalist about it. And, like, my little buddy signed up for Rooted, and that happened to take away our date night for seven weeks, but we adapted. It was Friday, but I still would say Thursday's date night. That's, that's on there. And date night for us doesn't have to always be, like, a fancy dinner. It's most of the time is... Uh, let's let's make dinner and sit outside while the kids play. Uh, sometimes it is going out to eat. Um, this weekend after we're done here, we'll 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 go and celebrate my wife's birthday, right? Like depending on what the calendar has, we adapt it. But a night a week that's just me and my spouse hugely important. Um, uh, coffee or lunch with I have two really close friends uh, that we go to church together, and our wives are friends, kids are friends. Um, I try to get lunch with them about once a week or, or some kind of hang, like just some time. Um, I like to do things that are um, like kind of involve like uh, archery, shooting baskets or golfing. You know, like some type of little challenge really helps me. Um, I enjoy that. I, I wish I could afford to golf every week if I can. Like golf is a huge ac activity for me that really helps fill my cup. Um, I like sports and activities that you that force you to to clear your mind, right? I don't know if you have anything in your life that's like that, um, but just things that force you to clear your mind. Maybe it's woodworking. Maybe you know how to turn a wrench. Whatever it is, like those are really helpful activities uh, to fill your cup. We clear on that. 
what are some of those for you guys? Perfect example. Perfect example. What else? I love it. I love it. We're with you, dude. We're with you. Will I watch it? I don't know. But I know now I know about it. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. Anyone struggling to think of one? Anyone having a you are? Let's talk through let's talk through like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Uh, okay, what does your typical week look like? Yep, give me like the zoomed out big picture. Okay. 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 Are you married? No, no spouse, no kids. What do you do to get filled up when you say recovery day on Saturday? What does that look like? Um, yep. Are you introvert or extrovert? extrovert. Do you partake in the Enneagram? I do. What number? Three. Okay. So you are extroverted and you're single. And so social things mean a lot to you. Are you a part of a, a small group, cohort, anything of that nature? I okay. Is that life-giving, or is that related to your work at all? Okay. It's work. Got it. Got it. So something social yes. and something that takes place on Saturdays, it sounds like. What are, some, what are some things that are interesting to you or make you curious that you're like, man, maybe I would try that. Maybe there's, maybe there's an art class or maybe there's like something. Like, are there things that you've always thought, oh, that'd be cool. I wonder if. Anything of that nature? Like an improv class, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the things that I would do by myself. Yeah. Where are you at? Okay, yeah, right on. How empowered do you feel in this part of your life? Yeah. That's an important that's an important mindset to have. Like there are 
I, I do not want to demean or diminish the struggle because I can hear it like it's hard. It's hard. Um, so I don't, I'm not saying, come on, just think bigger. Not at all what I'm trying to say. But I think if you were to like prayerfully approach the Lord from an empowered mindset, like, all right, God, is there, do you, you're with Youth for Christ, right? What church do you attend? Is that, is that a newer plant? Okay, got it, got it. So I just think like hobbies, interests, what does Bakersfield have in those areas? You know, like, like a, a photography thing. Just think, just think, just think bigger. Approach the, pro, uh, approach, approach the problem from a different point of view. Not that you have to act on it, but sometimes for me it's really helpful to go, why, 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 why? And then what I'm sitting with at the end of those five whys tends to be a different approach to something that I'm trying to figure out. So, you know, you're single. A lot of your friends are not. That creates a, a problem in your life where you're like, but I'm social and I don't have someone I'm sharing life with yet. And my friends are busy. So let's sit in that for a minute and just kind of gaze at it and go, why, 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 why? And see if there's not a creative outlet in there somewhere, if that makes sense. Who else is struggling with a weekly? Anybody? All right, next we're going to go quarterly. Thanks for letting me pick on you, by the way. I hope that was helpful. I'm just going to arrange your life right here, right now. Uh, all right, quarterly. Um, I, ma- I made mention a minute ago, like this weekend's my wife's birthday. Someone gave her, after she wrote her book, a $100 Airbnb gift card. So I've been looking all week. Where can I go between here and Pismo Beach for $100? turns out you can't because it's a stupid cleaning fee. But... Um, but it's going to get used. Uh, it's burning a hole in my pocket. Like things like that for me, or uh, my wife's family has a cabin up at Shaver Lake, um, very minimal cost. It's fuel and some groceries. Um, depending on where you're at budget-wise, depending on your age and stage of life, I want you to think about things that like are unique to you. I'm not trying to tell anyone to blow their life savings because they want their, their cup to be filled. Like This has to be reasonable and within your means. Um, but what are some quarterly activities that make sense in your life right now that you could prioritize that would fill your cup? One of the philosophies I learned really early in ministry, and it's one I love to share with young leaders, is I always like to have something on the calendar. And what I mean by something is a little weekend there, uh, a little trip to go see so-and-so, uh, me and my boys loaded up in our Suburban about three weeks ago, and we went up to the cabin to go fishing. Fishing was mostly terrible. But for the whole week leading up to it, I found myself getting so excited. And again, minimal cost, because we have some we have some privilege in our family having a cabin or so-and-so has a fifth wheel that we can use kind of at our, at our disposal, like those types of things. What is unique to you along that, that kind of parameter I just gave you quarterly? I've heard, I've heard concerts, um, I've heard road trips, um, those types of things. Anything coming to mind? Massage, that's great. Yeah. What else? This is going to be three to four times a year, yeah. We might need a little more. We need a little more. I, I was better than that. Okay, all right, okay. I was thinking game show because I just uh, fired a bunch of things. I love that. What game show was it? <laughs> yes! 
Hi. Does that feel good? Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't tell you. Follow up. Uh, did you win? Can't talk about that either. Yeah, that's great. But that shirt looks new. Um, <laughs> where Where'd you get that tattoo? Were Were you on uh, the Golden Bachelor? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the syrup. What are some things you're writing down? Or is anyone struggling to think of some? Show or musical, love that. And you're you're in LA, right? You got some of that there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I put like uh, from the movie or the new place. Perfect. Camping could be on there if that's your thing. What else? Big bait, yeah. I like that. Okay. What's your name? Okay, we're not going to be vague. <laughs> this is your life, right? Your responsibility. What are some of those big things that scare you that are fun? All right, let's go. Here, let's hear them. Let's hear them. Perfect. Where you, you're in Utah? Uh, community colleges oftentimes have like studio hours that you can go do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a little inspiration of like where you. Okay, cool. All right, near death experiences four times a year. What could go wrong? Uh, great. Yeah, like a little, a little uh, kind of let's re re regroup here and. I've heard people put trips like what you're at right now um, down, like something that's enriching personally or, or leadership development, that kind of thing could be helpful. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone struggling right now to think of some? Don't be scared. I won't pick on you the way we did before. Yes, Harry. Okay. What, what are you struggling with? What about a three to four time a year activity do you find yourself struggling with? Yep, and this is exactly why we're doing this exercise. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So so let's pretend let's pretend that, that same calendar, because it sounds like you take your job very serious, which is a good thing, it's commendable. Let's why why don't we put that same thought into our life? You know, why don't we maximize the effectiveness and health that we have here? So, so what if it followed that? How, much, how many vacation days do you get a year? Okay, we've got to figure that out. Uh, I'm assuming a week or two. Is that fair to assume? Yeah. It's like a legal right, too. So hopefully you have it. Uh, if not, I'll represent you. We'll get some money from your church. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, here, here's, here's some. <laughs> I legally can't say how much vacation I went. Um, um, here's something I want to tell you guys. Uh, just, just wisdom here. And if, if you've been in ministry a while, you might amen me. If you're not using all your vacation days every year, you're doing it wrong. 
it is a, it is a, it is a right that you have as an employee. It is also something that you need to steward in the same way you do money, okay? Those vacation days, if used properly, are what give you longevity in ministry. And so plan for them. Have a plan for them. Have a budget for them. Be creative with them. Like your vacation days, like who had to take vacation days to come here? Who else? Okay. So we're going to call this retreat and the way you enter into it and your mindset that you have about it and your approach to it you're gonna take this as one of these things that is meant to fill you. Raise your hand if your church sent you here, paid your way, and you're still on the clock while you're here, okay? All right, now, also you have that benefit, okay? It is a privilege that you have, but also you should be thinking about the things that you're learning from this experience and how they can directly affect, are there, are there potential camp speakers here? Are there potential worship leaders that can come in and visit? Who's writing sermon curriculum? What games are you playing? Like, you should have that mindset when you come to this. And given that this is a work event, I would argue maybe this doesn't go on that list, right? Maybe this is something that is still considered work, and so your mindset wants to be work. So you're going to get home. If you're married, having spent a few days in the mountains away from your family, how are you going to help your family fill their cup? You were just gone, right? That mindset, it took me a long time to learn, and when things clicked, I noticed a lot more health in my ministry and in the way I approached family and friendship and those types of things. You have to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries that are, this is work. Looking at you, Harry. This is work. This is not. Right? This I'm doing for my job. And this I'm doing at my job, but I'm doing it because I ask other people to serve. And so I am going to put a lanyard on at Christmas and greet people at the door. Like that boundary is an important one for you to have. Where we don't have boundaries, things get really, 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 really weird really fast. Uh, a boundary is just a fence that goes around a pasture. Think of a barn, right? That boundary is a fence, and anything that lives within that fence, free to roam anywhere it wants to with that fence there. Without that fence, there could be wolves, there could be coyotes, there could be holes, a leg could get broken, what have you. So in your leadership, it's important to have those boundaries of what is work, what is not, what is pleasure, what is not, what is vacation time, what is not, super important, okay? We didn't even, an we didn't even answer what we're going to do for you quarterly. What are your interests or hobbies? Sounds like music. Where do you like to travel? Anywhere. Are you extroverted? Enneagram? Enneagram? Okay. So a lot of times, like God designs us with these passions and hobbies and interests, and they tend to strike a chord with things that are deeply meaningful to us, right? And so like nature, it sounds like, is really meaningful to you. Don't, don't box it up. Like put it on the calendar. Also, side note for those of you who are single and, and struggle with like having married friends and how open is their calendar, six months from now, three months, or three months ago, six months ago, right? So I have a couple friends who like to go on golf trips. Uh, if they ask me tomorrow to go next week, probably it's not going to happen because the family, right? But if they ask me three months ago, then I'm probably going to put that on the calendar because I like hanging out and golfing. 
So just keep in mind, if you like want to plan a cool hike up in your area, just ask in advance. That's again, self-care is not selfish. It's strategic. Part of the strategy is looking three, six, nine months out and going, hey, do you want to do this at that time? And that applies for those of us who are married or not. If you've ever tried to travel with another couple, you realize you got to do the same thing. You got to get it on the calendar ahead of time. Yeah. The, this is that little, that little vessel filling a bigger one. This is that, that um, mundane task, sending the text, checking the budget, running the numbers, um, following up. Hey, I never heard back. I'd really like to do this. These are those little things that tend to keep us away from actually taking care of ourselves in practical ways because it's work, and you guys all, I'm sure, work really hard. And so well, why do I want to work hard to rest? If you start it now, it's going to pay dividends the older and, and more experienced you get in this. So we're three quarters full. How do we top off the tank? This is our annual. This is our year. This is our I'm saving money. I'm saving vacation time. I'll tell you what it is for me and my wife. We love the island of Kauai. And again, we are very privileged. I realize not everyone has this, but we are very privileged to have parents who have a timeshare that love to let us use the timeshare. What could be better than that? A free hotel on a Hawaiian island. It's great. And so we will strategically take extra jobs, save money, save up airline points, be looking on Yelp for, for discount codes. Like it's not, we don't have the luxury of just showing up and swiping the card. We got to plan ahead of time for this. So for our 15th, we wanted to go to Kauai. So we planned it uh, in September of 22. We planned to go on our trip in, I think it was April or May of 23. And so took on extra work. Uh, communicated to babysitters well in advance, asked if the timeshare was open, watched the rental car market. Like, that was the work. That's the, that's the filling, right? So that we could go for eight days, celebrate 15 years of marriage without our beautiful, loving, annoying children, right? <laughs> that, was, that was what we did, and it was awesome. For the month after, I was like, oh, I wish I was still in Hawaii. Uh, it's a plate of nachos and a Mai Tai by a pool, with the Hawaiian sun just burning my skin. That, to me, is my annual. I love that. I also, uh, every other year, um, it's kind of a tradition in my wife's side of the family, there's like a big hunt. So we'll go archery elk hunting in Colorado or Idaho. Um, it's an every two-year thing because it tends to cost a little more and there's more planning and prep involved. But that is one that I just, I really look forward to that. And that one's cool, too, because it's really unique to me. And I think uh, when family and children are in the mix, it's important to do things um, that fill you up, that are unique to you. I think God, God has always done really interesting, unique things in my heart in that like week-long alone in the woods with a couple family members that it's, it's kind of hard to put words to. I haven't really thought through it all the way, except to say it's been a unique benefit to me. It's hard to get tags there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. It's closer. I would love to go to Utah. All right, what are some of those things for you? And feel free to rip off. Kauai's great. Uh, just take mine. Love that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. That's a perfect example. Something you look forward to. When you get home, you go, I can't wait to do that again next year. And so what that does is when you compound that with your dailies, right, and your weeklies, 
And then you go, oh, man, Hawaii could be next year. But uh, we have Pismo Beach this week, and I've been looking at this for a couple months, you know. It's that little thing that I go, oh, I, I have filling on the calendar. Like I have a moment of, of filling, of refreshment, of replenishment. I have that on the calendar somewhere. Really important. The budget, all of that reflects the plan that I'm putting in place to make sure that I can do this because it's something I believe God called me to. I want to steward it across the board. Any other thoughts? Um, I realize this may have been kind of a little bit more of a unique workshop or seminar than you're used to, but truthfully, the, the whole goal for me behind this as I kind of prayed through this topic, and, and this is one that I tend to do, um, I tend to do uh, this one a lot, especially in the one-on-one -on -one sessions that our organization offers. It's, it's because if, if you don't have a plan in place, you're always going to feel like you're at the whim of your emotions and health, right? So if you don't have a plan in place for how you can do and, and live out the calling that God has put on your life, if you don't have a plan in place for the, like the personal side of it, um, then you're always going to fall victim and play victim to how you're doing based off of how much work you had, right? And unfortunately, we live in a time, and I think this is probably something that's always existed, where our identities get so wrapped up in what we do that we forget who we are. And so that's why I really think it's important to have those boundaries between what is work and what is not. Because, hey, you're a fantastic person, even when you're not a youth pastor, youth director, what have you. Uh, it's important to remember that about yourself, that there's a lot more to you than the job that you have. And there's a lot more to you than the title of pastor. Um, words like son or daughter, words like beloved and chosen, like that's who you are. And having moments where you can remind yourself and reflect on that are, are, that's where the good stuff is. Like, that's the thing that gives you a lot more miles in your tank to do this. Um, because again, leading from a place of transformation is always going to be a transformational type of ministry. I, it's, it's hard for me. Um, I'm still holding this microphone. Though. I think it's for the, the website. I forgot to um, through this at least, uh, Where'd it go? Where are you? I have this quote. Darn. It was so good, guys. <laughs> it was really good. I wonder, was it in my notes for tonight? Is that why I can't find it? Eh, whatever. The point is, you're always going to be at your best when you're leading from a place of transformation, right? And transformation takes place when we apply ourselves and when we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Um, that's where transformation happens. If not, then you are just a regurgitation and the sum total of things that you're listening to, reading, and interacting with in this world. But the ministry that God wants to do through you is going to be unique to you. This is why in the Great Commission, he says, go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and teach, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus applies and enters into the chat like our testimony. Your testimony is a, a, an amazing tool, one of many that God has given you to be an effective leader. And your testimony is the part of your life that is unique to you. If you're a depressed ministry leader, I'm going to be able to connect with you in a way that's different than that person who would say, I've actually never experienced that before. I don't have a place in my brain for people 
and this isn't meant to be derogatory. I, I go, that would be, I can't imagine what my life would look like if I had no mental illness. Like, it's really hard for me to understand. I have a few friends like this where they're just always good. And I'm like, how on, like, that is crazy to me. I, I don't have a place in my brain for that because it's such a big part of my life. It's something that I have always just, it is that thorn like I was talking about, right? Each of you have that. I'm not necessarily talking about a struggle. I'm talking about a unique hardwiring that the God of the universe made and designed you with. Um, the way that you get filled back up and the way that you lead from a place of fullness is oftentimes going to be unique to that wiring. Some of you heard me say hunting and you thought less of me. That guy kills innocent animals. And you know what? I eat them too. So it's awesome. Like, and that's unique to me though. That's maybe not be your thing. Hawaii, you might go, I hate the sun. I'd rather go, uh, I, I'd rather go to the forest. Great. That's unique to you. It's important to allow room for you in the conversation because effective, healthy, whole, and holy leaders are always going to be the kind that help advance God's kingdom. There's endless stories of people that maybe some of you have worked for, maybe some of you have, have loved their writings and, and, and the podcasts and whatever that have fallen from grace, how tragic that is, how hard, how, how sickening that feels when we read about people that we once looked up to that have just completely disqualified themselves from ministry. I guarantee you these are people that did not take the time to make sure that their souls were healthy to make sure that their lives were healthy, to make sure that their lives were oriented around things like rest and replenishment and renewal. So I hope that's what you got out of today. Cool, let me pray for you. And then I can hang here if you guys have any questions. Dinner's in 25 minutes. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these men and women, uh, for the, the ones here, God, who are serving you, who are, who are shepherding others, who are loving people, who are making it happen. God, I pray that you would help to fill them pray that you would help their hearts and minds, um, God, that you would help their souls, their bodies. Uh, Jesus, I think as you, as you command us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, would you help us to be intentional about each of those areas of our lives? What's good for our heart? What's good for our soul? What's good for our strength, God, for our bodies? Help us to love you in those areas. Help us to pursue being healthy, who, people, men and women who can run the race for a long time, uh, to lead from a place of transformation. God, even hearing some of the just unique challenges and, and hurts and difficulties in the room as we process what kind of life we can have, I pray that you would just meet, meet those in this room who have a, a deep sense of longing for friendship, for community, maybe for love, God, for intimacy. God, I pray that you would meet them in that place that you would sustain them, and that you would replenish those parts of their souls, God, in ways that only you can. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray.